Hey, thank you for joining me today on Hope for Heroes Texas. This is Brad Cornell, where we serve those who serve us as they carry the weight of the badge. It's gonna be a long one, another graveyard shift. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Hope for Heroes. Go to hopeforheroestx.org to check out what Hope for Heroes is all about. And today, I've got a special, special guest on the Weight of the Badge podcast. You know, it'll be almost, uh, it'll be two years this weekend since we started the Hope for Heroes, and it's been amazing. And, you know, these uh, these men and women that have come in from law enforcement, that's where I started it. Uh, you know, they had all the challenges going up in Austin, Texas, and that's where it all began. And so we were bringing the, the uh, police and sheriff and all that from Austin and San Antonio. And now it's been two years and we've always had a heart and a love, of course, for the firefighter and the EMT. Um, you know, there's, they carry a big weight of the badge. And so I never wanted to, um, exclude them. It's just, we didn't know if this is going to last or not. Nothing's been done like this before where it's in the greeting and we bring him into Bernie, Texas. And is this going to work? Can we raise money to do it? Will it even have a chance to succeed? And my gosh, over two years, it has succeeded. It keeps growing. Thanks to you, ladies and gentlemen, it has nothing to do with me other than just facilitating it. It's all what you do when you show up, when you come and greet our first responders and our our police and our sheriff and the families are so blessed. It's amazing what's happened with the uh, Hope for Heroes Texas right here in Bernie, Texas, a neat little town in Texas, probably in the whole entire country. But I knew it at, at some date. I was um, looking forward to the firefighters and EMTs coming in because what they do is amazing. You know, the police officers and stuff are a lot of times the first one to the scene. But my gosh, who's got to clean the mess up? Who's got to be cutting the people out of cars? Who's got to take people to the hospital? Who's got to pick up the limbs and legs and the things that happen? It's terrible, but it happens out there, folks. The babies they got to deal with. This has got to wear on them to the max. And about two years ago, a dear family moved here, husband and wife, and they have been such huge supporters of Hope for Heroes. Um, he was a firefighter for 31 years and a fire captain, head of the union in uh, Southern California. And I mean, they moved here and they got Texas written all over him. His beautiful wife, uh, Vivian, when they we do the lunches on the first Tuesday of every month and he does all the cooking unless we bring in Chick-fil-A, but he does sides. He does all this. He's an amazing chef. He's got an amazing attitude. And after all those years as a firefighter, he really has counseled me off and on, on, you know, just what they do and how they do what they do. And I thought, you know what, we're going to start bringing our firefighters in now. So I think I'm going to do a special program today on the way to the badge podcast with a dear friend, he is an amazing chef, and you're going to hear how he learned a lot of his his uh, cooking skills. And it's a trial and error, and the errors can be pretty scary if you're not careful. So, But he's got just an amazing – he is a chef. I'll put him against anybody in this town of Bernie. And a lot of guys in, this, in Bernie put themselves on the pedestal and to think they're the best, but I'll guarantee you, Dan doesn't put himself on a pedestal, but we all – others – other of us do because he is so awesome and his wife, Vivian, we couldn't do these uh, lunches without him. So I want to help him help welcome to the program today. Hope for heroes, way to the badge podcast, a dear friend, firefighter, uh, saved many, many lives. And um, we're blessed and honored to have him here in Bernie. He and his wife. Thank you, Dan Gibson for being on the program today, buddy. Oh, thanks, Brad. Oh, I appreciate that. And uh, hope I can be helpful today. It shed some light on, what firefighters were all about. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you will. You've, you have it so many different times. But tell me about your chef skills, because I'll tell you what, you can flat cook, buddy. I mean, barbecue to sides to, there's, you never had baked beans like yours before. <laughs> it's great. Well, I mean, uh, most of my skills were kind of honed over the course of my career. I mean, early on, I started cooking 
as a youngster. I started cooking when I was seven and developed a passion uh, for it. Um, I took some culinary classes along the way, but most of my skills were honed during the course of my 31 years in the firehouse. And I cooked my entire career. And uh, that's where I got all my hands-on training and all the uh, unsolicited advice and feedback I could get <laughs> from firefighters, which uh, I don't know, being in the firehouse is a whole new was a whole new thing for me early on. But, uh, I mean, these are guys that you develop really close relationships with, you live with, and um, they're very honest about everything. So cooking, with no exception, became one of those things, man. If you just did not uh, cut it, you were going to know about it early on. So, I mean, I've seen some meals get chucked in the trash and guys yelling and <laughs> screaming over how much something costs or because this is one of those things everyone pitches in for, and you shop, you decide what you're going to eat for the day, and you you make it happen. <laughs> and if it doesn't taste good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're in for a real treat, <laughs> and you'll probably never cook again if you really screw up a meal. But uh, it was an honor, really, to just, you know, it's something I really had a passion for, and I something I really wanted to bless the guys with. And, you know, over the years, it just became real natural. Well, you can tell around the kitchen. So, I mean, I know you're right. You guys are family and they can be so critical. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's good. For, that's good for you. Good for yeah, that. Definitely. You know? Well, you sure have made a difference in Hope for Heroes. And I said, we can't do it without you, Dan. You do so many different things and uh, your your chef qualities are amazing. And Vivian, the way she sets up our, our uh, the lunches and how the perfection and the way you guys do things. We sure do appreciate that. I sure couldn't do it. Well, the other, the other uh, part of my development came through my wife's side of the family, you know, her being Hispanic and me being one of the only white guys in the yeah. in the household, I had to really learn to impress her family and her mom, you know, and all her sisters about uh, Mexican food. And Mexican food's a huge part of uh, culinary oh, yeah. in California anyways. Uh, and Texas. As it is here. Yeah. Um, so I really worked hard at trying to perfect uh, Mexican food. And uh, ended up making, you know, I do my tamales and all the other authentic Mexican food specialties, you know, that oh, become yes. part of my repertoire. But, um, yeah, I've just tried to pride myself on learning how to cook a lot of different things and not just one thing. But um, Well, I haven't that, tasted anything bad you've made yet. You've made <laughs> tons of it. My gosh. Well, hey, well, I really am excited that you're on today because like I said we're opening this up now and I'm going to start bringing in. Uh, firefighters and EMTs, and and um, we're going to figure out how to get that done in surrounding areas, Austin, San Antonio, and everywhere in between, and start bringing in a firefighter family um, also to experience the Hope for Heroes um, greetings and the just the love we have for them. But I think sometimes we forget, you know, you guys got the big shiny red trucks. You always look so fantastic, and you guys are you're there. But we forget, I think, as a public, I'm just a civilian, we forget just what you guys go through. And I wanted just to give people a little bit of a tune-up on, hey, when we start bringing these guys in, even though they're not on the news as much as the police are and getting shot at, not that you don't get shot at, but I mean, like it's been going on in Austin and, and now San Antonio, the union problems, and he's defunding the police. You never hear him say, let's defund the firefighters. It's always this defund the police, even though I know it trickles down. But uh, so, like I said, you've opened my eyes to a lot of, you know, incredible things just just by just listening to you talk and stuff. And we've discussed it. So tell me some of the experience. I mean, what do you want the public to know or the people to know 
just what the firefighters and you guys do. Well, I think nowadays, uh, fire the fire department's more kind of EMS driven. It's the medical side of things. I know we go on the fires, the car fires, the brush fires, and hazmat. And I mean, believe it or not, I mean, as a firefighter, you mean the nine one one calls that come in. I mean, they can range from going to turn somebody's water on or off on the weekend or to uh, airplane accident. I mean, everything in between. I mean, it's just, it's like a all, all sources of emergencies. And um, the firefighters are just always there to go and be prepared to do anything at any time. And it's that being on call that, you know, we work long hours. I mean, we're, how we differ a lot from the police department, you know, they typically go home every day. Yeah. Firefighters are at work sometimes, you know, from anywhere from two days to, I mean, I've been on gone for weeks at a time when you go on these uh, struck uh, long, brush fire, large scale incidents where you're gone, you go on these strike teams and you're gone for weeks at a time. So, I mean, it can range, um, like I said, just yeah. from, but typically, I mean, we were we we worked a forty eight hour schedule, so yeah. we were at work for two full days, and then we'd go home for four. But there was always work in between, so you were typically always working, and uh, those kind types of things really inherently are really difficult on a family because yeah. the wife is home, and they're they're kind of running the home and taking care of the kids and doing all that stuff and trying to just hold things down when you're gone. So those just by itself cause a lot of stress on the home life, especially the wives. They go through a lot. Yeah. And I think we don't realize that trauma, give me, you know, some of the trauma, let's just get into some heavy duty stuff because I know you've been, you've experienced so many things, but I guess you guys do really, you know, you experience the trauma of a lot of different things. And how's that, how's that reflect itself in the family? Well, I mean, I can, I remember, I mean, there's some calls I remember very clearly, even like, like if they had just happened, but um, one call particularly, I think about, um, and really was disturbing to me. It was, uh, it was on a, a really two o'clock in the morning type of call. It'd been raining. Uh, you had a young gal, like 19 years old, um, driving home, drunk. You know, wrapped her car around a tree, and just after dropping off her cousin, you know, at her house, uh-huh. driving home, and and just the devastation that you see when you pull up to an incident, um, just the 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 visual things, the smells, and just everything that is going on, just really puts an imprint in your heart, soul, you know, that you just don't forget. And uh, I remember. You know, pulling up on scene. I was just kind of a new firefighter at the time, but the car, this rabbit was, was like went sideways into a tree and the front and rear bumpers were actually wrapped around the tree and touching each other. And she was just in there mangled in the vehicle, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, without getting too descriptive, uh, she, she did, she didn't make it. She cut, she died on scene. And we had to wait for hours for the coroner to show up for some reason. I don't know why they took so long, but it's probably because 
being in the middle of the night, but the family had showed up on scene oh. while we were still there. And while we were trying to get her out of the car, get her body out of the car. And one of the uh, things I remember most is that my captain told me at the time, and we had to use the jaws to get her out, but he had said, you know, Hey, just, I know you got to get her out, but try not to dismember her when, when you do, because she was like twisted into the wreckage. And, uh, that whole call, when the parents the parents pulled up, the coroner was there at the time. We were pulling her body out of the car, and it was oh. just so chaotic. And it was raining. Just the whole oh. environment was just terrible. It just, yeah, it was very disturbing. And I remember, I probably, I I couldn't sleep for probably a month after that. Really? Yeah. I mean, uh, it really left left an imprint. Yeah. on me that I'll never forget. Now, what, when I used to drive to work passing this point all the time, so I'd always see flowers and yeah, things by the tree. So there's remembrances like that, and I had nightmares about it. But that was just one call. I mean, I I have there's so many calls I've seen, and the ones that really, I think, bother you the most are the, the, the young kids. You know, I've been sure. on some drownings, seen Babies fall out of a window from seven seven stories. Mm. You know, babies uh, injuries with babies and young kids are just very difficult. Lord knows it ain't no easy task keeping us safe under the weight of the bag. Folks, if you haven't been to a Hope for Heroes greeting, you're probably wondering what it's all about. What we do is get an officer and their family from around the state of Texas. They come into town. They have a free room here at the Bevy Hotel. They know they're getting that, and they're going to get a gift card for the town. They pull in, but they have no idea when they pull up to the front lobby that inside that lobby is a ton of people just waiting for them. The reason is, is we care so much about what our heroes do and how special they are that when they walk in that lobby, oh my word, they get blasted with how much we love them, how special they are. And of course, the people that are showing up, they show up at 930 in the morning, get some breakfast tacos and some coffee and just fellowship until the officers get there. And it's an experience that you're not going to want to miss. Let's get back to our hero carrying the weight of the badge. Kids praying by his bed. He said, I'm gonna be well, now, do you guys have counseling? I mean, what what how, did you go to counseling? Did you get some kind of help? I mean, that's I mean some serious I, stuff. When I started, you know, back and this was in the eighties, they didn't you didn't talk about PTSD. I mean, yeah. when you came to work. You worked with guys that were very seasoned. These guys have been in the military. They're old school, you know, all the old trades. And, man, if you just you just didn't say anything yeah. then, it was a completely different environment. I mean, if you couldn't, you just couldn't talk about it, really. It yeah. was like, hey, if you can't cut it, then. Kind you know, of man you, up type yeah. attitude. It was not, there's no, like, counseling. Like, if you even said, like, hey, I'm really struggling with this, guys would. You know, they get on you. Yeah. And part of the, uh, part of the, uh, I think, survival mechanism is that you would just, you find ways to deal with it. And sometimes the humor becomes real dark and you get desensitized to stuff over the years. Yeah. And things don't bother you 
you know, as much. But, you know, some guys really internalize this stuff and, you know, it it finds its way out usually in a ho- in the home. Yeah. Or the drinking or drugs and things like that. But the uh, the counseling stuff was just not available not, yeah. up until maybe the last five years of my career. And I remember um, we had gone on a drowning and uh, had like a four-year-old drown because, uh, you know, we were in the hot tub and their mom decided she needed another beer to drink. So she gets out of the hot tub, leaves her kid in there, and she comes back and, you know, the kid's face down in the in the hot tub. So, no. you know, so we're, you know, we're getting there. The kid didn't make it. But I do remember it was at that time that fire chief came by the fire station later in the day and said, hey, you, are you guys okay? You know, do you need some you need to talk to somebody, get some counseling. So that kind of stuff was available later on, but early on, early on, um, it just wasn't part yeah. of the part of the routine. When that's a, is that is that a big deal? Because I know it's a big deal with the police department now. Is it a big deal in firefighting now? And it is. is it's become a- more of obviously something they they needed to address. Yeah, you know because you know we do have. You know, PTSD, I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, no, we didn't talk about that back in the in the 80s and early 90s. That just wasn't, that was something that was usually in the military, you know, yeah. you know, from war. But you never really thought of it, like, in, in the public safety part of it. But yeah. we experienced and see, you know, a lot of crazy stuff. You know, yeah. people getting ejected from vehicles, being dismembered and, being, I mean, I've seen people get burned alive in vehicles, you know, yeah. and uh, it's just, you know, it's pretty horrific. It really is. You guys, <laughs> yeah, you guys really, I mean, that's what I mean is we f- we forget about that because we watch all the dramatic stuff that happens on the police officers and, and sheriff and first responders that way on TV all the time. But you don't really see what happens after they're gone, which it's up to you guys to take care of. And, of course, you're the first that's seen a lot of times. I don't mean you're not. But, um do you think this in this day and age now, the young guys that are on, that they definitely need the counseling and need? Well, I think it needs to be available. Available. You know, they need to, people need to kind of know uh, things that uh, they're bothered by. I think everybody kind of knows in in themselves, like, you know, that was real trouble. Yeah. And, you know, they don't want to go home or bring it home to the, to the wife. You know, I, I very rarely talked about work. Yeah. With uh, with my wife or the calls I was on, because usually by the time you left work, you got it out of your system, you know, because yeah. the guys are all sitting around talking about it or, sure. you know, dealing with it the way we did. But um, well, they say nowadays that's one of the big things. In fact, we're doing the Salem Conference, surviving a law enforcement marriage, which, of course, includes firefighters and EMT also, because you don't communicate with the wife. And so pretty soon you start drawing away from each yeah. other. Because you're sharing with all your buddies and you guys become best friends, but the wife's out there going, what about me? <laughs> you know, because it is about communication. Yeah, it's definitely happens. Yeah. I mean, even I spent so much time at work, you know, it was odd sometimes not even being at work. And But then when you'd have an event outside of the home or outside of work, I mean, the firemen, when we get to a party or someplace, I mean, you could tell there was a special bond yeah. amongst the guys. And, uh, you know, you almost forget that your wife was there. Oh, your inside I, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, I, we went to many parties and my wife was like, God, you, I mean, you 
you were with your friends the whole time, you know? And it's <laughs> like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. I was sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, cuz you know that when you're away from work, that's when the guys can really kind of vent, but a lot of it's it was uh yeah. kind of geared around the alcohol, you know, alcohol. Yeah. There's a lot of alcohol going on in, you know, the firemen uh you know, just like a lot of other, you know, jobs of police, you yeah, know, alcohol, is, you know, it, you're yeah. trying to, you know, uh make certain feelings or things think yeah. they're going to go away because you drink, but it's, it's not, no, you're not just burying it down there, but it's still there. But it usually can be really disruptive in the home. And, you know, we had, we had our moments of, uh, uh, difficulty in our own marriage. I mean, we're, we've been married 34 years and, you know, through the course of life and stresses, I mean, things just, it could, it can bring things to a breaking point, you know, that, and that happens. Well, if you've uh, been in, the amount of time you've been involved in Hope for Heroes, what do you think? Because we're going to start bringing in firefighters. We're going to bring in EMT, and which is, you're right, they're kind of the same in so many ways. I say I say I'm separate, but they're not. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, our, uh, you know, uh, Brian Webb here in Bernie, which is head of the EMT. And then we've got, you know, a chief hacker of our fire department here. But um, both chiefs, both great guys. But what do you, what do you see Hope for Heroes? How do you see it helping the firefighters as you've been involved in some in the last year and a half, two years with Hope for Heroes. Well, I just think, uh, you know, that one thing I know is different that typically, I mean, people like firemen. I yeah. know that's a big difference between the cops and the firemen, because usually when the, when the firemen come out, we're there to help and resolve a bad situation. You know, the cops, on the other hand, they're usually give somebody a ticket or something bad, bad's yeah. going on, but that, but uh, I think just for the fact that people have or express an appreciation for what you do. I mean, none of us are really seeking that nope, from anybody because it's not, very self-gratifying yeah. to do things that you know help people. But typically, I think just being able to unwind and, and know that, you know, the communities that you serve, they're, they got your back. You know, because even in the fire, you could have a bad call. I mean, you could have some something medically you know the paramedics i mean with the medics and the pushing meds and things that happen in the field and and yeah. like times very um uncertain and uh very fluid situations i mean i mean mistakes could be made we're not people aren't sure. perfect so there's liabilities and things like that just like i know the cops they have crazy liabilities now everybody's on video but and and have recorders everywhere. I mean, yeah. so you go on these calls and something could go really awry. And these guys really need to know that they're supported by their community and, and the department too. So those things are really important, but I see that, that uh, support from the community yeah. and that people really do care. They want to see you try to get over some humps that you might go through during the career, you know? So those weekends away and spending time with you know, quality time with your wife, family is really important. Yeah. Well, Dan, I want to thank you so much, man, for all you've meant to us for Hope for Heroes. I thank you for your 31 years of being a firefighter. You continue to help so many people, and I'm excited that you're you're there. When we start bringing these firefighters and EMTs in and stuff, that you'll be there to just to greet them. And it uh, means a lot to them when I can say, hey, we have a fellow firefighters here, and I hope our firefighters out of Bernie and around will be coming to the events also just to back them just like the sheriff and the police do here today now but hope for heroes appreciate you a lot brother thank you for all you've done you and oh. your beautiful wife 
And um, you guys are dear friends. And I said, we look forward to a long-term um, continuing Hope for Heroes, Texas. And the Weight of the Badge podcast, we want to thank George Strait for the music that um, that he gives us for this. And I want to thank you again, Dan, for all you've done, brother. Well, I appreciate being here. And I'm glad I can share something, you know, that uh, hopefully brings some value. I do it for us. And I do it for them. I ain't gonna buckle under the weight of the past. Hey folks, wow, I hope you enjoyed that. It's amazing what these men and women do as they carry the weight of the badge. And we sometimes forget how incredible they are, but they're called to do what they do. So you know what, when you see one, give them a wave, give them a smile. Things are tough out there for all of us sometimes. So take some time for yourself. Spend a little time in church and with your family. And uh, thank you for joining us today on Hope for Heroes, Texas. It doesn't weigh a lot Until you put it on And the weight of it is staggering When duty calls each time He knows he's got an answer And it's all